Initializing another cast. Engage to Sheree in 3, 2, 1. Episode 172. See, I can, got it can right. That, huh. Can that intro be any longer? What's your goddamn problem? <laughs> I got a problem with you. Why? So, we got to hold the phone here. So, last week you had all these nasty comments about Mr. Squire, Billy Squire. And I, I, I think I really need to set the record straight here. Because mm. when I went back and listened, you... You were insinuating he had an Epstein Island and all that kind of stuff. And you're one the, of our, no, you're the one that says he has an Epstein Island. You're always bringing up well, his island. So I had this, you know, I mean, I had this idea. Like Billy Squire was in the '80s. No one was fucking bigger. I mean, he overtook Rick Springfield in the '80s, right? Um, and then, ju- then just disappeared off the face of the earth. I, I, that's fair. Okay. I mean, he was up there. He was maybe not the biggest, but he was fucking up there. He I was mean, big. He, wasn't, he was big. He wasn't MJ, no. but, I mean, he was up there. Yeah, I'll give you that. And so so I always had this idea that he just said, fuck it. Like, I've got enough money. I'm I'm moving on. You know, moving on. And I just assumed he bought an island, because that's what I would do. Okay. But um, one of our friends from Another World kind of pointed out to us that, um, like that Another World? Use that again. I see you're using it again. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Pointed out to me that he um, he uh, lives in New York City in Manhattan at the San Remo, no less. That's an and, expensive building to San the the, the dual towered one. Yeah, the one like where Rick Moranis lived in in Ghostbusters. Yeah. Um, I mean, dude, it's featured in every fucking movie that wherever anything that's shot in Central Park, you can always pick out the San Remo pretty easily, right? I mean. Yeah. Past residents of the San Remo include Barry Manilow, <laughs> All right. Stephen Sondheim, Demi Moore, Steven Spielberg, Tiger Woods, Glenn Close, Dustin Hoffman, Steve Martin. I mean, you can see the caliber of people we're working with, right? Okay. So, I first of all, I think you owe Mr. Squire an apology for that piece alone for insinuating all those nasty things that you insinuated. I didn't but, insinuate uh, anything. But secondly... You you owe him a debt of thanks. For what? For, For rock what? me tonight? <laughs> yes. First of all, yes. But uh, secondly, um, him and Bono, uh, because the building's a co-op, you kind of they own the building partly and the, their apartment. Yes. Um, him and Bono got together and and uh, did not allow Madonna in their building. Madonna, who is your nemesis? Well, okay. Now, now you're on to something. Now you're turning me around about Billy Squire. His next door neighbor's fucking Bono. <laughs> That's gotta be weird. It's gotta be fucking weird. My uh, Allison's son uh, does analytics on Wall Street, Damn. and his one of the people he deals with uh, lives at the penthouse in one of the San Remo towers. Mm-hmm. $72 million. Could, like, dude, 
it's got to be amazing when you've got that kind of cash. Yeah, when I was reading about the San Remo, uh, fucking Spielberg bought two of them to make one big apartment. Because <laughs> <laughs> one's fucking not enough. Dude, it's so crazy. Like, and then he ended up selling that to to Tiger Woods. Wow. <laughs> it, and it, there's just people out there that exist in a league that you will never know. Yeah. You're just, you're never going to know it, you know? Yeah, dude, they're not, they, 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 they they don't know people anymore. You know what I mean? They're like so fucking out of touch at, at that point. I think. Yeah, you're. Although just... I'm not putting Mr. Squire into that category. I think he's a man of the people. So he's down to earth while he lives in the San Remo. Dude, Billy Squire in my mind is still fucking barefoot, wearing jeans, playing a uh, Telecaster, like sitting on the floor on the side of the road, just rocking out. <laughs> like right. on the album cover of "Don't Say No." If you say so. I mean, if, if you're if you're believing that, hey man, I'm I'm here to support your your dream of Mr. Uh, Squire. Hey, speaking of people that uh that are out of touch, um, did you catch the Golden Globes thing with Rick, Ricky Gervais? Uh, bits and pieces. I didn't watch the whole thing, but I, I hear things. Well, it was kind of it, it was all over the place. I don't know how you missed it this past week, but it was everywhere, everywhere. And the thing about I just it, didn't I just didn't watch the Golden Globes live. You know what I mean? I saw bits and pieces. Does anybody actually watch the Golden Globes live? Uh, I don't know. I don't. I I always check the next day just to you know, because I'm a big film guy, so I always want to know. You know, it, it's it's kind of like a it's generally a a temperature taking for the Oscars. Of what you know, where things are probably going to head with the Oscars, you know. See, see, there. That's where you lose me because you don't care. I don't care about the Oscars, so I, like I don't care about the pre-Oscars Oscars. I care about <laughs> the Oscars only because, not in the sense of you know, there's a million times where the thing that won, I don't think is best picture in any way whatsoever. But so I don't that's, care. That's when I gave up on the Oscars. Well, first of all, here, here's the thing. Okay. Ni- 1994. Yes. Forrest fucking Gump over Pulp Fiction. Uh, I gave, yeah. that, that's when I gave up. Yeah. I mean, what movie has more staying power? What movie could you ever watch again at this point? Well, you could watch could, both. Can you really? Yeah. Box of Chocolates. Sure. Why don't you love me, Jenny? <laughs> you know, that kind of stuff. You know, you know, Jenny, Jenny, life is like a box of chocolates and so is Jenny's vagina. Because when you put it in, you never know what you're going to get. And and she ended up with the A-bomb, right? So what's wrong with that? That's a, that's a story right. for the ages. You know, essentially, yeah. Boris Gump is a story about, you know, abroad and, and not sticking it in after she's become a co-core. So, in the, like, in the 90s, I tried to go through this thing where I was going to be like a renaissance man, I think, you know, I was going to try. And I wanted to go back and read, like, classic literature and go back and read Hemingway and, you know, read, you know, all these classic novels. And um, and I wanted to go back and see all the Oscar best pictures, like, of all time. Right, the AFI 100. Yeah, oh, my God. Like, some of them are so fucking hard to get through. I mean, Rosebud, Jesus Christ. Yeah, yeah. Fucking movie. Citizen Kane, known to be the greatest movie of all time, is so fucking hard to go get through. Oh my god! Yeah, well, you know, and, like it's terrible. <laughs> like, no, a lot so. of that stuff is if you like you, you look at Gone with the Wind, right? If you watch that now, I mean, um, it, the story is essentially like 
I don't know, like a, an episode of 90210. It's it's a it's a it's a rom com almost in a weird way. Right. And and you know, there's nothing special about that story. It was the pageantry of the film. You know, it was so different yeah. at the time. It's like comedy. You know what I mean? Like you look at SNL, you see the cone heads. How the fuck is that funny? You know, and, and I get it, and I'm putting, you know, at the time it was a breakthrough, so I get it. At the time, it was new and funny. Yeah, that's all. And and so, and I get it. At the time, it was, you know, like King Kong was a breakthrough in fucking technology that, like, the 1920s King Kong. Yeah, I, I get it. And so, like, you know, I'm not gonna down it for its fucking terrible special effects by today's standards. Um, but. Fucking Forrest Gump over Pulp Fictions where it ruined for me. But anyway. Yeah, it happens so, all the time. So you were saying Golden Globes, Ricky Gervais. Oh, so Ricky Gervais, what I found interesting, this was kind of fun to watch. Um, you know, we were talking about the last time we're just kind of done with the politics thing. And I think a lot of people are done with the politics thing. And 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 Ricky Gervais and the comments he said there um, seemed to validate that thought um, across the board all over the social networks, you saw people on, you know, whether you're a Trumpanzi or you're a libtard, you loved what he said. I, I, I saw people across the board celebrating this, and, and I'm going to play it for you here so you can understand what he said. But it was just basically like, in, I think we've all had enough. I, I think that was the, the gist of it. So here you go. If you do win an award tonight... Don't use it as a, a platform to make a political speech, right? You're in no position to lecture the public about anything. You know nothing about the real world. Most of you spent less time in school than Greta Thunberg. So, if you win, right, come up, accept your little award, thank your agent and your God, and fuck off, okay? See, see the, the message... <laughs> it's not... I'm on Team Gervais here. So am I. Like, and I think that's what we were saying last week. We're both on Team Gervais, like... It, 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 it's just fucked out now it, enough, you know, like, and, and I think that was his message through the entire thing. And the other thing that was beautiful of what he did, um, he called out the hypocrisy of those people. And, and I don't, this isn't a left or right thing, but, uh, I don't know if we were doing this, maybe not. It might've been last year's golden globes, but I, regardless personally or on here, I was ranting, when Oprah Winfrey came out, and I forget, there was two other women, and they were basically celebrating themselves for the takedown of Harvey Weinstein, like that women had finally been empowered. You know, the uh, right. Me Too, and what was the other one? Time's Up, right? Right, yeah. Um, and, and they were celebrating themselves. They were so empowered by the takedown. But you didn't do it. Ronan Farrow did it. Ronan Farrow was the one who came out and exposed Harvey Weinstein. In fact, years prior, Seth MacFarlane tried to make a commentary about Harvey Weinstein in front of those people at a podium, and he was booed. There were groans, and he was booed because a friend of his had been assaulted by Harvey Weinstein, and MacFarlane went out there and just said, fuck it. This guy's a piece of shit. You know what I mean? Yeah. And they didn't like it. So it wasn't, you know, they're celebrating themselves. So Ricky, in this... uh Golden Globes uh, performance said something to them about Harvey Weinstein and, and the same thing. They And he went, hey, 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 you guys did it. Not me. 
You know what I mean? It was about yeah. like because it was about uh, the movie Bird Box and how they had to you know the in the in to survive, you had to look the other way and not see things. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. And it was a joke in that in that regard. And you know, but yeah. And then he made an Epstein joke in there too. And he was like, oh, oh he was your friend because he was. This yeah. is, this guy hung out with all these fucking people, you know. <laughs> And so that's what was beautiful. It was like in, enough with your, your pontificating and your holier-than-thou bullshit, you know, and, and enough with your messages. I mean, look, if you're trying to do something decent, if you have a platform, you know, and you're trying to say, hey, man, you know, uh, let's raise money for this or do something like that, fine. But when you're just up there spewing your shit, like he said, you know, most of those people, they haven't held a real job. You know what I mean? Well, like, they, they haven't done yeah. anything. And I'm on fucking Team Gervais, Team Gervais more so because it feels like he's just pulling a Billy Squire. Everything, <laughs> like, everything comes back to Billy Squire, doesn't it? It does, kind of. Um, dude, he's just like, fuck it, I got enough money. I don't need to do this anymore. I kind of love that about him. Like, Yeah, no. Like, fuck it. I agree. I am free. I am totally free of you Hollywood motherfuckers. I'll do whatever the fuck I want and say whatever the fuck I want on here. I, I dig that. Yeah, no, I like it too. I actually heard an interview with him. I think it was like last uh, or the beginning of the summer. And he was saying, you know, he never tried to be a, a celebrity. That was not, he, he if, if I recall correctly, he worked in an office where he rented space. Um, and there was these guys that came along and they wanted to start a radio station. And so, but their credit sucked. And they were like, dude, you got to help us out. You got to do us a solid here. Just get us into a space and, you know, we won't forget you. And so he finagled it and got them into this space. And then the radio station took off and they hung out with him and they loved him. They thought he was funny as shit. And they were like, dude, you should come on the radio. And you know, all of everything I'm saying right now, just say it in your head in a British accent. Yeah. Cause this, you know, they weren't like, dude, they probably were like, Hey mate, you know, like that kind of Chap. thing. Yeah, yeah. You know how it works. And so, um, Cheers. so anyway, he, he became, really popular on the radio. Then they wanted him to do live appearances. And then he was like, well, I got to write material. And so that's how it happened. He never set out to do this. And so in the, in the interview I was listening to, he's like, so, you know, I'm not supposed to be here. And he was like, and I now have more money than I ever imagined I would have in my entire life. And I, if it all ends tomorrow, I'm good, you know, and that's a fucking beautiful mentality. Oh yeah, fuck yeah! It's so nice. To be Ricky in the... Gervais and Billy Squire just chilling. I I Free. don't. I, don't... <laughs> I still don't know that they're they're in the same. Yeah. No, I, like Billy Squire, I'm sure does not have Ricky Gervais money. I don't care how successful he was in the '80s. Fucking Ricky Gervais money is like <laughs> J Steve Jobs' money. I mean, yeah, yeah, it's a like, little bit with that, that many years of of uh, the British office and then the American office. Yeah. And and everything else he's done in between. Anytime, you know, he does that David Brent character from The Office and he goes on tour with that over in the UK and he sells out every fucking place he goes to. I mean, he's just making fuck tons of cash. Yeah, he's got Larry David money. And that's probably the best... Uh, yeah. The best equal I can think of. Yeah, pretty much. Um, also on the note from last week's episode, uh, or was it last... Did we do it last week or was it... I don't even remember what the fuck it was. Uh, no, yeah, yeah, we were going into the new year, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah, this is the first episode of 2020. Anyway, uh, my son called me, and he uh, went to see Star Wars. 
And so me and him had already spoke about it. You know, he was supposed to try to catch it while he was home for Christmas um, with me. Uh, I was actually, I was willing. I told him, I said, look, I hate it, but I'm willing to go again, you know? Mm -hmm. And he was like, oh, it's not really that big of a deal to me. I'll catch it if I catch it, you know, and all that kind of thing. So he waited till he got back to L.A. and then he went with friends. And he called me and he was like, yeah, you know, I didn't hate it as much as you did. He was like, um, he goes, you know, I think mainly you you did brace me for the idea that Palpatine just comes back and and there's no explanation or build up to it. He goes, so because that would have bothered me the way they did it now that I've seen it. And he's like, but what did you what did you hate about it? Like what, you know, what well, specifically? And also there is that vibe out there that like I, like on the Reddit you know, and on the social media, like where people are like, Hey, you've been asking for star Wars sequels all these fucking years. You finally get what you want. And now you're whining about it. Yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. I, I, I dig that. <laughs> oh yeah. I had, I had one person sent a thing saying, uh, that I, me, um, I made a big deal that Palpatine when, remember when the trailer dropped and I predicted Palpatine would be in the trailer. Right. That I made a big deal about Palpatine and then hated that Palpatine. So I was just like every dork fanboy. <laughs> yeah, I know. Um, it's but not I, about I, I that mean, he was in it. It's about the way that they put him in it, sir. Right. You know? But, you know, I'm assuming I mean, you were a sir. I don't know for yeah. my name. Go ahead. I mean, we've had a, I've had a couple weeks to digest it and think about it. You know what I mean? And it's just not, if you look at the body of work, of the Star Wars body, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. There's just not a fucking coherent story and not a storyline that that makes sense that goes through them. It's just really not, you know what I mean? And yeah. and I, I don't know if I consider myself a Star Wars fanboy. I'm really not. I mean, yes, I did in 1977 have an R2D2 birthday cake in the back room of of the charcoal pit. <laughs> um, <laughs> like. <laughs> I I mean yeah I mean I've grew up with Star Wars and and you know looked forward like after those the first three yes I couldn't wait there had been rumors for like what ten years or fifteen years whatever till the 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 prequels were coming out oh yeah you know yeah hell yeah we wanted them um we just I, I by comparison you look at Rocky you look at I mean Rocky's not a cerebral story by any means. But even through all the Rocky Fives and Creeds and Creed Two, at least they kept to their fucking storyline. Right. You know, Creed Two is not an Oscar winner by any means. You know, it's a very predictable no. movie. You knew what you knew what was going to happen from the get. And there were some really cheesy things in Creed Two with. Rocky living in a fucking row home in South Philly. You know what I mean? Well, but even that's explained through the course of the, all of the Rocky films. It, it yeah. explains why he's there and what's happening, you know? Right. Like, Rocky just didn't show up. You know, it wasn't like a, uh, an opening uh, crawl came and was like, the dead speak, you know? Or in this case, you know, it would be like, the dumb speak, you know what I mean? I'm not punchy. You know, that kind of fucking thing. It would be a little different. <laughs> But yeah, it's but not. It, that. But it, but even that is not a very cerebral movie. Had a fucking constant theme throughout. Sure. And and they're they're they didn't change the story, and all of a sudden, you know, like in the fifth movie, Polly comes back. You know. <laughs> <laughs> 
Hey, yo, Paulie, I thought you was like, you know, dead or something. <laughs> you know, <laughs> hey, how the fuck did he get here? You know, like... Wow, this really like blows my mind right now. <laughs> yeah, no, they didn't do, and that's what I'm saying. This is how they fucking did it in this thing. They just, they just threw shit at you. And, and so that was the funny thing. So when I explained, my son was like, well, what specifically bothered you? And I told him. And, you know, we didn't, we didn't do an hour on it. Like, like we sadly yeah. did on the last episode, but I did tell him and, and, and he was like, oh yeah, you know, now that you're putting it like that. Cause I was like, dude, you got, you know, I said, you always see those things like Kevin Smith, you'll see him go, you know, I was there in the theater in 1977. And I'm like, well, yeah, I was there in the theater in 1977 and I, and I carried this with me and, you know, in that way, right. You think about it, us middle-aged white men, and I'm, you know, not, I'm not discriminating against you brothers out there. I'm sure a lot of you like Star Wars too, you know, as they said in, in uh, Chasing Amy, uh, Darth Vader was the blackest brother in the universe, you know what I mean? But, and then you turned him into a cracker ass farm boy. But the thing about it was, um, we carried this with us, right? We like, so in that way, isn't Star Wars for middle-aged white men... Like that girl from high school that you never forgot about and always wondered <laughs> what she was up to. <laughs> yeah, dude. You know what I mean? Like, like I all these years, you were like, man, if I could just get one more shot. <laughs> yeah. Know, one more chance with her. Man, I could, it would be great. It would be so much better now. Right? Yeah. And then you meet her at the high school reunion or something. And boy, was she not what you built her up to fucking be. <laughs> you know, isn't that really? Dude, that's a fucking perfect analogy. <laughs> you start talking to her, and nothing she's saying makes any fucking sense. You know? <laughs> and you... <laughs> what? Yeah. I don't remember that. Yeah, you know, and, 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 and you realize that, like, She's like, I used to be able to do splits and shit back in high school and in uh, when I was a cheerleader. Did you? I don't remember that. Yeah, like all you kinds had that. Of... You had that power. I don't remember like... you having that power. Oh yeah, yeah. I used I... to be a genius. I was on Dancing on Air. I don't remember you on that. Oh yeah, yeah. I was like one of the top dancers on there. You know, that kind of thing is what's happening. Uh, we're all just waking up to the reality. That she was never what she thought she was, <laughs> you know? And even now, you know, the stuff that you're learning about her now makes you look back on her then and think it wasn't even such a great memory after all. <laughs> like, there, it is, that is funny, man. I'm married 25 fucking years, over 25 years now, and, like, there there are a couple girls that I probably still would pine for if I ever, if I sat down and thought back, you know, mm -hmm. they missed opportunities in, from high school. Let's say it right. that way. Um, but um, yeah, I, I imagine if I ever speak to him now, I'd be like, dude, really? I've carried this fucking, I wouldn't say carried the torch, but I've carried this candle all these years <laughs> <laughs> for the, for you. Really? Yeah. This candle was flickering, but I made sure the flame didn't go out. I just, I, I didn't, you know, I let it sit there. Yeah, no, and and that really is the case, you know. It, it's it's, you know, on a on a side note, but it related to what we're talking about. I've talked to so many guys that 
and women. I don't want to limit this. You know that I, I'm not trying to be, uh, you know, biased here to to gender or sex or whatever. But I, I've talked to both where they remembered this person, and they were like, "Oh my god!" And Facebook mostly did it, like Facebook, yeah. because we yeah. don't really have reunions that way anymore. Like we do, but not not in the same. They don't mean the same thing. You've already seen the people now and stuff, but. So many that I spoke to and they were like, man, you know, I sat for years wondering what became of her or him. And I just, you know, I was just like, if I could just get one more shot. And then they hung out with them and were like, what the fuck was I thinking? <laughs> you know, because yeah. you, you're remembering it from a childish and, and I don't even care if it's high school. It's a childish mentality. You know, you're not you're not fully developed yet. You know what I mean? Mentally. Yeah. And so you're remembering these people. And at the time, you had the thought that, you know, we could have two cats in the yard. Life used to be so hard, but now it's easy because of you. <laughs> you know, that kind of Is that how it works? It's all song lyrics? Uh, yeah, well, it was for me. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, I mean, you know, it, it, that, that really was the way it was for, for a lot. And, and Star Wars really, I think, uh, middle-aged white men, we'd like to speak to you directly right now. Yes. It's time to let it go. She, yeah, she wasn't who you thought she was all this time. You can you can move on now and take a look at the things around you that are great, you know, um, and and just you know we can we can still feel the thoughts that we had back then. We can think about it and go, oh yeah, man, she was so hot when she wore that one mini skirt that time, and we were at the homecoming dance and. You can still think those things. And you reach down and felt her butt in the middle of uh, that climax song. Uh, 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 uh. Yeah. You know, maybe. <laughs> no, this much. You got a little piece of crack in your. Oh, yes. yes. Yeah, your little Spandau Ballet was playing. You're in the backseat of your. Yeah, Spandau yeah. Ballet, my bad. You're in the backseat of your IROC Z. You know, and maybe, <laughs> maybe you got your hand up her skirt and felt the Ewok. You know, that could be, maybe that happened, but you never, but then she stopped you, you know, and then you were thinking, just if I could just, I'm so much smoother now, everything will be better now, she's going to be better now. I got game, she got, I learned, you know, I got experience and game, I, I, I know how to treat a lady now. And you think to yourself, man, I know it seems like our story was over, but there's got to be a little bit more to it, right? There's got to be a little bit more. And if, if we can just continue our story, it'll be so much better now. But then now you realize, no, our story was fine the way it fucking was. <laughs> yeah, you just left leaving the fuck alone. We didn't need to add the new chapter to our story. Uh, no, we really didn't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's Star Wars, white men, white middle-aged men. You know, they raped my childhood. Y your childhood is, it's fine. It's back there. See that? I'll look up in that rear view mirror. See that thing yeah. all the way back there? Yeah, no, no. I'm, I'm thankful for the first three. You know, in hindsight, we should have just left it to the first three, you know? Uh, yeah. In, <laughs> in hindsight. Just, in a big, bad way. fucking left it alone. You know, because that's the thing. Like, they couldn't... That, by comparison, it's just not a good series. I mean, even by comparison to like the Lord of the Rings, which is fucking painful to sit and watch. I can't watch it again. Right. You know, like I don't have that much time investment to go through the Tolkien series. Like 
I'll be in the fucking old age home before I'm done. But at least it had a coherent story throughout. I mean, it, absolutely. Or Harry Potter. Dude, Harry Potter is the fucking the gold standard when it comes to that, I think. Yeah. I can't think of any other like long form multi movie I don't even want to call it a trilogy. What do you even call that anymore? It's I, a, I, I don't know what Harry <laughs> Potter. Yeah, that's beyond. I think there were seven Harry Potter films or something like that. Well, I think when they split the last one, they did. They oh, that's a, right. They pulled a. Um, the, the old cliffhanger two parter. Yeah. Yeah. And um, But yeah, I mean, you think about. Okay, so the consistent through line, right? And you can make the argument, well, they were based on books that she wrote. It doesn't matter. Each one of those films stands on its own and simultaneously advances the story. Right. And even with a new set of prequels they're doing with the, the Grindelwalds. Yeah, I like the Grindelwald story. Everybody yeah. hates Grindelwald. You know, they got caught up in the Me Too thing and they believed Amber Heard about Johnny Depp, you know, slapping her around because, I don't know, his pot pie was cold or some shit like that. But And then that all turned out to be a lie. So you trashed it. But that was a decent film. I enjoyed you Didn't you like it? Oh, yeah. I, yeah. I, you know, I, there is a, something weird about that. On a little quick side note, I have a, a friend of mine who's like who's an ultra feminist and, and I'm, I'm down with her. But she refuses to watch anything with Kevin Spacey. And I'm like, God, Seven is such a fucking good movie. Yeah, um, you Usual know, like Suspects. Usual I Suspects is such like Usual Suspects is such a fucking good movie. It is. It really is. Swimming like, with Sharks is one of my favorite things. It's a. It's a more of an independent film, but it was him and Frank Whaley. I love that movie. Like I can't not watch that again. You know. Yeah, and so I mean, I dig. Like you don't want to support, like, pervy, but but so but that whole thing with Johnny Depp. I mean, just because Johnny Depp's the the bad guy in the movie, like I don't know. I mean, I I I struggle with that that piece a little bit. I mean, I like I I do want to. Hey, I'm down with supporting me too. Like I, fuck, I've been a manager of people for a long time, so I I consider myself a me one, really. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> yes. I've never fucking tried to touch any women. You know what I mean? I try to yeah. treat everybody fairly. I'm I'm me one, man. Yeah. But like, um, yeah, um, I I don't know. I don't know how to go with that vibe. But anyway, um, yeah, Harry Potter I think is the gold standard when it comes to these long form series of movies. I I agree with you. I can't I, think of anything. I can't think of anything off the top of my head that that comes close. No, no, it's so well done. It really is. Um, and and it you know it's time you know I, so it's so much bullshit with this Star Wars thing. I've seen people, um, you know they they cling on to well it's a kids it's a kids story. You know you're putting too much thought. Well, tell that to Marvel and Pixar. You know, like I mean they create brilliant. Fucking, I, you know how many people, adults I know that cried at the beginning of Up from fucking Pixar? <laughs> yeah. I know I dudes know. that will openly admit they bought, I mean, that that's, that's writing, that's fucking delivery of story, you know? So I'm sorry your cop-out doesn't work. The Star Wars franchise died it's here. It's not good. No, it's not. It's just, let's say it out loud. It's <laughs> not good. Um... And I mean, we should even, have never gone I to the mean, reunion. Fuck, fucking even like in, in another non-cerebral movie, even like the Transformers series with fucking <laughs> Michael Bay has a more consistent story. And it has two racist fucking robots in there. It's, 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 
you know? <laughs> it has two racist robots doing fucking Bugs Bunny with Run DMC shoes rapping. Oh, by the way, <laughs> man, speaking of this, so Christian Harloff, um, I, I, the Collider crew, these are all the cats that I dig, you know, podcasting. Um, I, I must play you this. Um, Christian Harloff started his own network. He left Collider and started uh, the, it's called the Schmoes Entertainment Network, okay? Thank um, So he, he's, it's, it's not as much movies now. Uh, well, it's movie-based, but it's not as much movies as it used to be when he did his other uh, other stuff on, on Collider. But so the other morning, <clears throat> um, he has on, I think his name's Josh Robert Thompson, and they're doing a bit that Morgan Freeman was originally cast as Jar Jar Binks. All right. Um, and... Dude, this is a spot on Morgan Freeman. And then they get into afterwards about how, you know, they used to say Jar Jar, the, the Gungans, the way they spoke, Misa, you know, right. that kind of stuff was racist. All right, just take this in. This is going to blow your mind. We have footage here of of, of um, the Phantom Menace that wasn't used. Morgan Freeman was actually originally cast as George Jar Oh, really? That? Yeah, we, have the actual, we actually have some of the audio. Ben, can you play that? Yeah, yeah. Uh, go. Uh, my day started pretty oaky day with a brisky, <laughs> brisky morning munching. <laughs> and then the Jedi came and ba- pow, Misa here. <laughs> Misa, um, well, Misa been banished. Me, uh, Misa, Misa, uh, crashed my bo- boss's unabungo. <laughs> Now, tell me that doesn't sound as racist as fuck. That is fucking brilliant bit. Them guys, like, what? Are, what's the podcast name again? The Schmoes Entertainment Network. Har- Christian the- Harloff um, from Collider. Uh, dude, they're, they don't need us promoting. <laughs> they well, got either huge... way, I, dude, I want to give them credit, but that's fucking brilliant. Dude, it's so good. It's so fucking good, you know, and I don't want to play the whole thing, but it goes on a little longer. So just go to YouTube, hit... Uh, Jar Jar Binks, Morgan Freeman, and it's the first <laughs> result you're going to get. But, dude, that's, he how spot on is that Morgan Freeman? <laughs> that's fucking good. And, and you know, afterwards they do have a conversation. Christian's losing it because they're, they're in tears. There's one black dude there. He's literally taking his, his jacket and putting it over his face while, while this is happening. He's laughing so fucking hard. And when it's done, he's almost like hyperventilating and shit. And Christian is like, dude... You know, they there was that controversy back then that this was racist. But when you hear it like this, you know, and, and yes, it's fucking <laughs> racist as shit, you know. So I, I thought for a second about trying, just like a, it popped into my head for a quick second that I was going to try to do a, a Morgan Freeman voice. Mm-hmm. And then I was going to start doing Andy Dufresne. And then I was going to do March of Penguins. And then I was like, <laughs> ah, you know what? Fuck it. I can't do it. <laughs> that happened just now. I just wanted to let you know that. It's <laughs> <laughs> fucking funny. So, uh, yeah. So we're going to leave our opening segment there. It's time for white men to move on. The, the dream has died. You know, it's it's the, all over. The girl you pined for all these years, you finally got a second date and 20 she's years a- later. And it and you're like, ooh, 
She is a dopey slag. <laughs> That's all there is to it. <laughs> who, who is rewriting fucking history. Absolutely. Hollywood. It's time for another bit of showbiz news. All the skinny on what's going on with the picture shows and the boob tube. Don't fuck with cats. <laughs> is that not fucking brilliant? Oh my god, dude. Dude, I was on the edge of my seat. Like I'm I, it was a limited series I saw, it was three episodes. I was like ah, do I have the time, effort, energy to put into this? And I put it on. I was on the edge of my seat. I, I fucking powered through all three episodes, like like sitting forward, staring at the TV. I could not stop watching that thing. Dude, I so you remember last episode I was mentioning I was sick, right? So yeah. everybody got it. Dakota got it. Allison got it. We all just were dying. So Allison stayed home a couple days. And I come home from work, and she's like, you've got to watch this documentary. Don't fuck with cats. And I'm like, yeah, I don't really like cats, you know. <laughs> and she's like, no, 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 you, you don't understand. And I was like, well, what, what's, what don't I understand? So she starts telling me. She's like, there's this guy on the internet, total fucking psycho, like fucking psycho. And I was like, okay. And she's going, well. So she starts to outline it for me, and I'm like, uh. You know, but she's like, I don't want to tell you the rest because I don't want to ruin anything. And I'm like, okay. So she goes to the annual girls' night around, you know, after the holidays, they have this big girls' night. So I'm sitting here left to my own devices. And I was like, ah, you know what? I'll watch this fucking thing. Holy shit. <laughs> like, Jesus fucking Christ, dude. You know, like, it's amazing, you know, the... The whole thing, you know, if you've ever been part of like an internet message board, like that group, I gotta, I gotta say though, and I think maybe you agree with me, as great as everything this group of people did, they took down this lunatic, right? Um, how disturbing was body moving? Yeah, and what was the other cat's name? The, I don't, the dude from LA. I don't know what his name was, but yeah, he was like, oh, you want to play, motherfucker? You know, yeah, like it's like, he was more disturbing to me. Like, he's like, oh, no, he's not getting away with this. Like, I'm yeah. fucking taking him down. Like, he was he was serious. And like, no, it's fucking it was crazy insane that they sat there and went through, like, you know, trying to figure out which what kind of outlets it is. And it's going to be North America. Yeah. What corner is this stoplight on? Yeah. The like, cigarette, Jesus. Cigarette pack. Yeah. Like, no, they they were fucking all in they pushed all of their chips in on that motherfucker yeah they really really fucking did um i guess for those who don't know what the fuck we're talking about we should uh, be responsible <laughs> explain it's a three-part doc series on netflix and uh, to i don't want to uh, like like allison my girlfriend i don't want to give much away but so it begins because there's a video that hits the net called two boy or one boy two kittens where this guy takes two kittens and vacuum seals them till they die, and then plays which is around. creepy enough because it references two girls one cup, which is fucking yeah, that's a little disturbing too, <laughs> which and, is very disturbing. Yeah, I mean it's not it's not hot. Let's just put it that way. And uh, so uh, they go on a crusade. They're determined to figure out who this person is, and they're going to bring him to justice. 
and the twists and turns that this story takes are unbelievable. Like absolutely yeah. fucking unbelievable. Um, so if you're looking for something to watch, um, th th if you're concerned, I've had a couple friends that were like, I can't watch it. They show you the video of the cats and stuff like that. And they, no, they do, but they don't, they show you right up until he does what he's going to do. Um, and then it's, then it's done. But, uh, man, it's, it's hard to watch, isn't it? No, yeah, no, it's uh, for a lot of reasons. I mean, the crime itself is its own problem. The, it's its own difficult to watch piece, but then their reaction, like, was scary in its own way. You know what I mean? Yeah, it really was. You know, I had one friend, uh, we were talking about it on Facebook, and she said she does kind of hold them responsible for accelerating his behavior. But I don't, I don't know that I necessarily agree with that. You know what I mean? There's just people that they, they create their own behavior. So it's, it's kind of like he was so fucking mentally ill from jump street that it didn't matter what they did that, you know, they went looking yeah. for his identity and he becomes aware of it at a certain point that they're, and, and even for. body moving said it in the, um, like towards the end of the movie, like, did we, you know, she asked the question, did we mm -hmm. have any, um, any culpability in this did we you know and you know it is a you know circumstances are what it is environment it is what it is things happen you know and was it a contributing factor i don't know maybe but uh, i i highly doubt i, I, mean, I, I it may may have had some sort of contributing factor but it certainly wasn't root cause no like it, it might it, the only thing it may have done is accelerate the inevitable outcome yeah you know All like right. it, it, he wanted to show off for them he want he he needed the attention uh, you know, and dude, God damn, I gotta, I gotta say, so when he, um, you know how when they first determine his identity and, um, they find all these fan pages for him, right? And there's posts from all these people. And then you find out he was every one of these fucking people. <laughs> God damn. That was amazing. Like you, you sit there going, dude, how much time, like you had a career in marketing, dude. Yeah, no, they, you know <laughs> they were all in. Yeah, for rule zero, rule zero. You don't fuck with cats. <laughs> you don't fuck with cats. So yeah, check that out, man. We both were. We both were. It's just appalling across the board. It's appalling, um, uh, what this guy did, obviously, and, and it was just kind of very unsettling. I gotta say, this group of people, man, they were very, very, very busy uh in a weird way you know and when she said you know it was so weird her her lack of self-awareness when she said um body moving allowed her to be whoever she wanted right. right but then later when she's talking about him and what he was doing she's gone she was saying yeah these were sock puppet accounts you know people create them so that they can just act any way they want and it's like yeah yeah like body moving right yeah <laughs> You know, like exactly right. like you, you yeah. know, like, so that was what was, uh, that was what was kind of interesting, but, um, yeah, give it a look, you know, uh, by the way, we were just talking about Harry Potter, man. <clears throat> They're opening a Harry Potter store in New York city. That is going to be the biggest Harry Potter store in the world. 20,000 square feet of, and, and will contain the most exclusive, Harry Potter merchandise, and apparently it's going to be. Uh, How many wands does a one person need? Uh, ask Liberace. <laughs> Fuck yeah! 
Self self high five, bro. Uh, so, <laughs> Jesus. What do you mean? <laughs> Nothing. Hmm. Um. So, I'm trying to think of like what what Harry Potter merchandise would I want? I mean, you got the scarves of the different colors. I dig. Mm-hmm. Like, what else would I buy that's Harry Potter merchandise? Let me. Like, let I, me help I, you I got out. no idea. We I mean, hang I, out with a couple. I've mentioned Hafer before. His woman, she fucking loves Harry Potter. Loves it. So is there enough quality? I'm not talking about the little junky trinkets. She likes the real deal shit. Is there enough Harry Potter merchandise in the world? Nope. (laughs) We actually just got her. It was her birthday. We got her this fucking, um, you know how like that, what's that sweater like the dude wears, the Lebowski? You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah, yeah. With the little belt that ties and and all that kind of stuff. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. We got her a Harry Potter one like that with all sorts of like it's it's stitched to where the all the Horcruxes and shit are all over it, (laughs) like rows of the Horcruxes. And she wear Horcruxes. I tell you, Horcruxes. Horcrux. Are they Horcrux? Yeah. Yeah. You know, a Horcrux is attached to a Horcrux. Get it? (laughs) You don't get it. Come on. All right, go. The whole the you. hole in the whore. Anyway, look. So she um she but she wears this like she loves it when she's just laying around drinking tea and shit. She puts it on, you know. Dang. Um we get them all kinds of shit like that. But we get them the quality, you know, I don't buy no fucking baubles, you know what I'm saying? I keep it real. I don't know. I just, I think you always got to pretend like you bling or something like that. But anyway, that's so that's opening up there, and uh, they're they're apparently going to have the items that they have at the Wizarding World of Harry Potter down there in Universal Orlando right. and L.A. You know, um, so that's pretty cool. Yeah, that's no, that's cool. badass. Where are they doing on uh, Times Square? Do you know? Uh it did say, uh, but I don't recall. But I would assume it's in that area. I would have. Hey, because because didn't I? Uh, Toys R Us Times Square is finally closing. It's gone. Oh uh, yeah. I mean, I just didn't know if that was the space or. Um... No, it said it's next to some building that was like apparently a huge landmark, and it's escaping me at the moment. So, and I don't have it in front of me because I'm lazy yeah. and unprepared. You know. <laughs> I'm um, glad you admit that. So, we had a huge, huge fucking loss to our youth, to the music world. We would be remiss if we did not. Address the the passing of Neil Pert, or Peart, as they say up there in Canada, from Rush. Texas size ten four. <laughs> it is a Texas size ten four. Yeah, no, I'm not to make light, man. I, dude, I I watched that documentary on Neil Pert, um, or not on Neil Pert on Rush, mm-hmm. several years ago. Um, and I forget if it was on Netflix or on one of the channels. Like I can't remember, but dude, Neil just had a rough a rough run of it, man. Oh, dude, he 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 had a you know. So his what was it? His daughter got killed in a car accident, and then a couple of years later, his wife died of uh, was it cancer or something? Yeah. Like that? Mm-hmm. And you know now he uh, yeah passed from uh, brain cancer, and yeah, he had a rough go, man. And I you know I um <clears throat> I saw an interview with him about that, and he was talking about his drum teacher. And he said, they asked him how he deals with things. And he said, my drum teacher basically, you know, early on instilled in me, like, things happen, deal with it. 
Yeah. And he was like, and that's pretty much been my life philosophy. I, you know, he's like, I, you're, you're gonna, during this time, this journey, you're going to encounter bad things. Bad things are going to happen around you and you can either be broken by them or, or you move on. He's like, you know, what choice do you have? And he's like, so my choice is I, I just forge ahead, you know? Yeah. And that's a pretty fucking badass attitude. It's, it's kind of the way I choose to try to do things in my life. You know, oh, dude, it's a hundred percent of how I try to do things that, you know, whether something happened to me or whether I did something, I, you know, I just, this is where I'm at right now. What do I, what do I got to do to make it right? And that's what I always try to do, you know? Yeah. I mean, I, I know so many people that they, they allow themselves to be broken. You know, they, yeah. they allow circumstances to dictate, you know, their decision-making and, and all that kind of stuff. And look, you know, you, you find yourself in traumatic situations. I'm not, I'm not saying it's easy for anybody to just go, Oh, no. well, fuck it. That happened. You know, that doesn't work that way. But the thing is, is like, I, you know, um, when you're defined by things that happen that you had no hand in, you know, those kind of things, you know, um, that there's maybe nothing sadder than that. Right. You know? Yeah. And, 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 you know, and, and in that doc, I think, uh, Neil, uh, tried to deal with it in the best way he could. He quit rush. Um, he went on a, I forget a year or two years of just driving his fucking motorcycle from town to town. Yeah. Went like all through South America, like on a motorcycle, what, 50 or 60,000 miles or something like that. Yeah. It, just in a year, just fucking cruising on a motorcycle, you know, uh, motorcycle meditation, I guess if you want to call it. And then, mm-hmm. you know, he did what he had to do. He got back, you know, and got back to life. Well, and then when he, when they returned, when Rush did come back, he, he um, I don't know if you know this part, but whenever, so he never, he never went on the tour bus. They'd leave a gig and he would jump on his motorcycle. And oh, no, would, I didn't know that. Yeah. Yeah, he would take solitary rides. He would be alone, you know, because he said he needed to just have that time. And at the end of the uh, episode here, I put together just a small little thing that contains some of that kind of stuff. But, um, but yeah, he 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 continued that motorcycle journey to be around people, to see people, to experience things, to have time to himself. Um, and yeah, it was just pretty amazing, you know. So so Friday, yeah, bra- okay. Uh, no, Friday night, um, when you know all this news broke, uh, and everybody, they, I, everybody was devastated from our generation, you know, and and I was going with I was the only non musician in the room, and so it was me, and it was Hafer, and it was Tom Chambers, and Steve Hove, and and Chambers' son Cole, who is. He he's a phenomenal fucking drum. I mean, this kid. I've watched adults' jaws hit the floor when we, uh, our buddy Scott Morris has a warehouse where they practice for when shine a light. The Queen uh, at the Queen comes up, which this yeah. year they're doing the the year nineteen eighty, which might be kind of interesting. Uh, but anyway, so um, Cole has taken to the drum set in this room filled. And so you understand what shine a light is. It's every musician in the area um, uh, who people who've played since the eighties, since the, you know, I mean, there's just from all ranges and I've seen Cole set down at the drum kit and everyone just stops. You know what I mean? He's that fucking insanely good at his age. And so I'm 
they they asked me a couple weeks ago to go to see this. You know who Simon Phillips is? Yeah, I don't, but you were telling me about him. Yeah, he's a world-class drum. I mean, this guy is f- just phenomenal. So, and I don't know anything about drums. I, I can play guitar to a degree. So, and you, I know you play guitar, so you play much better than I do. I, I, I'm very elementary. But, but because when you do play, you do understand the workings. You understand, wow, that was just amazing what that fucking guy just did. Right, but I don't, yeah. I don't have that with drums. You know, I don't know. I know when somebody's fast and I know things like that, but I don't understand the timing signatures and shit like that, you know. <laughs> well, that was, yeah, that was Neil's get down. Like, Neil yeah. would, they would never use standard time signatures. It'd be like seven fifteenths or some crazy shit, like yeah, crazy and, time signatures. And every drummer you know, there was no disrespect for this guy. Like, he, he was the benchmark. Like he was yeah. the dude that everybody was like, oh, you know, you. I, I wrote a thing on Facebook uh, yesterday, and and I said, you know, you could have arguments about guitarists, right? And you, yeah, because you'll right, find guitarists is style based, right? Yeah, yes. Like, how many times have you heard? Yeah, he's proficient, but I hate his tone. <laughs> you know, or oh, that guy, dude, he hides behind effects. He's just fucking a bunch of you know effects, and and he has no soul to his playing. Right. Sure, he, he yeah, he'll blow out arpeggios, but he's you know, that kind of shit. But you never heard that when it came to Pert. You mentioned Pert and I don't care who you were talking about talking to. They go, Oh yeah, that guy's fucking great. That was it. And and the thing is too, like Neil Pert was the lyricist for nearly all at Rush. And so like I've never been a huge Rush fan. Like I it it just there that music just never really touched me in that mm-hmm. way, if you if you want to get down to it. Right. I mean, yeah, I like Tom Sawyer like the next fucking fourteen year old um, <laughs> in the eighties. Yeah, yeah, but um, but it, it like, but but for the people that Rush touched, like it really fucking touched them. Like you had, and I mean, I don't mean this disparagingly, but you had these fucking Rush geeks like when I was a kid, and they oh, were yeah. all the ones that were in band at school, and you know maybe understood those, you know those. <laughs> Those three three twenty second time signatures or whatever the fuck crazy sure. he was doing, you know. But um, um, but the, them guys really it, like it struck a chord to uh, to use a good metaphor like with them guys and really touched them, you know, about you know the plight of the working man and all these things. But Neil was the lyricist; he wrote all that. Yeah, and he was. He drove that. You know, everybody thinks of Getty Lee because Getty Lee is a fucking maniac too. Sure. Um. You know, I I can't imagine, I can't imagine being able to play fucking three separate instruments with fucking you know two feet and and two hands. You know what I mean? All at yeah. the same time and that, sing. Yeah, you know? no, that was and that's some of the thing about Getty. Like you listen to, you know, he when you listen to his playing, um, while he's singing. And he'll do like a little fill solo while he's fucking singing. Like it's it's it, yeah, it is amazing. Yeah. They are amazing. They're an amazing band. Yeah, but they either they either resonated with you in a strong way or they kinda didn't. And right. you know, I was you know, I always I had no choice. You had no choice if you grew up in the eighties. You were going to experience rush somewhere. Some somebody somewhere. And and you know, in the in the thing I wrote, you know, I, uh, my buddy Matt, um, beast of a Rush fan, like the, the the biggest one I know, and 
So, you know, I was saying you couldn't escape Rush, especially if in 1984 you sat in the back of Mr. Leung's math class with Matt. <laughs> and, and you know, because every day, you know, he was back there and a, and a Rush song was going through his head and he would be like, doom, chat, doom, doom, chat, doom, doom, chat, you know, like that kind of shit. Right. And so, and then you and I both know The Wiz. And yeah. The Wiz loved bass. And how many times were we in a car and he would be like, dude, got to rewind for that baseline. And he would rewind. Like I, I, I made the joke in the post I made, if I had a dollar for every time he rewound to hear that killer baseline, I would have been retired since I was 22. <laughs> you know, fucking, I mean, it was, how many tapes did he wear out? For I don't know. <laughs> you know, so, and that's, that's, you know, that's how I ended You know, we all know that guy, the Goldbergs, the show, the Goldbergs has a character on there. That every time you see him, he has a rush shirt on. It could be Grace Under Pressure. It could, you know, and whatever it is, moving pictures. It's twenty one twelve. It's he. He's got a rush shirt on, and we knew that guy in whatever form he existed for you. Uh, Jason Siegel's character in Freaks and Geeks. Um, yeah. Same deal. Whatever and form. Paul Rudd he, did it too. I think in well, with uh, Siegel. Yeah, yeah were, that's right. Yeah, yeah. In uh, I forget what that was called. I love you, man, or something like yeah. that. And again, they brought because Jason Siegel is truly a huge Rush fan, a, a Neil Peart fan, and so they brought that to that film. And and so it doesn't matter. Like it, it, it he made a look different. You know, he might have seemed a little different. And you might have been in any other part of of America, but if you grew up in the '80s, you knew that guy. You know, you knew yeah. who he was, and you might have known several of them. And you know, it's pretty rare that we talk about drummers. You know what I mean? There, there are a few because. I, you know, there's nothing that'll make me fucking change a, a, a channel or, or turn off a YouTube video than like a long drum solo. Like yeah. that, that fucking John Bonham drum solo in like the song remains the same when he's doing, what's that, in Moby Dick? Mm -hmm. It's like 12 minutes of. Doo -doo 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 -doo. <laughs> I'm like, oh, all right, come on, give it a fuck. You know, like, yeah, we get it. <laughs> we, you know, um, there's not a lot that'll make me fucking tune out quicker than a long drum solo so you don't talk about drummers that often but neil pert was one of them dudes who really stood out yeah he was he was fucking amazing and i gotta be honest on a quick note and we'll wrap this segment up that simon phillips fucking dude was a beast and that whole show so you know chambers is a drum chambers used to be in a band called automatic black and he toured with kiss and, and aerosmith and all that kind of stuff and chambers is a, a fantastic drummer and that's why his son is a phenom you know and and hafer is maybe the greatest guitarist i've ever personally known and and hove is a great guitarist and so i'm sitting there odd man out you know but but the thing about it was this band it was kind of a jazz kind of thing and the guitarist was 27 and was blowing through shit that I'm just sitting there going, holy fuck. You know what I mean? And yeah. the, the bass players murdering, the keyboard players murdering. There was a dude on sax and he was playing sax like he was playing a guitar solo. Like it was, and you realize like this, you're watching aural math happening. You know what I mean? Like yeah. these are equations. This isn't music any longer. These are equations. You're not hearing this in in standard music you know it, th this is coming together as a formula and and that's the same plane that neil pert existed in or pierre if you're ca uh, canadian i don't want to insult anybody but 
that's the same plane that he existed in. It was a whole figure different figure it out. You know, and it was it was a whole different realm of yeah. your standard musician, you know. And so the, the the music world is less without that guy around, really. It is. So we're gonna move on. We're gonna do a uh, it's a new segment because I gotta talk about this. It is the eighties rewind. Let's rewind to another totally awesome look at the eighties. So I was watching, you remember Chopping Mall? Uh, you told, talked to me about it this week. I don't remember the movie, to be honest with you. So you know how in the 80s when we first started having like tech, like digital tech, we got yeah. overexcited, like in Weird Science when they thought they could make a lady <laughs> with a Commodore 64. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, the fuck it was. Yeah, we had just seen, um, you know, War Games, I think was right before that or right around that same time. Yeah. And we, you know, we it was the first time Commodore 64 started to be able to do voices and, you know. Yeah, that kind of thing. And you were yeah. like, oh, now that it can talk, it can do anything. You know what I mean? Like, and so that's kind and of we what... started to, you know, we started to pull some of that Star Trek technology that we've seen all these years. Because now that Star Trek, now that we recognize that that's better than Star Wars. But we started to pull yes. all that, uh, you know, Star Trek technology that we thought of in our minds, like cell phones and all that stuff. We started to think, man, this this shit is probably really possible. Yeah, it could, it could definitely happen any minute now. Yeah. You know? <laughs> so the Chopping Mall is set in uh, the, the Galleria out there, uh, the Sherman Oaks Galleria, where they filmed uh, Fast Times. Right. Right. And so the story is they get this new security system of three like little mobile tank like robots that have become affectionately known in the years prior as the killbots. Right. Right. And so I'm just I'm watching this movie and you know, I love that kind of eighties cheese, you know. Yeah. Oh, sure. Um, not just, I, I don't think it's just because I grew up then. It's just so fucking funny, you know, and, <laughs> and everything. So essentially it's the story of teenagers who work at the mall who decide they're going to have an after hours party at the mall. Um, and they work in a furniture store, which allows them to have beds and you see where I'm going now, right? Yeah. They- Cause it's eighties. It's teenagers. It's gotta be fucking you know what I mean? She's got to be somebody's baby. Yeah, there's got to be titties coming out. You know what I mean? Like this guy, it's just got to happen. I mean, it's, she must it's, be somebody's baby. Yeah, she's gonna be somebody's only light. Gonna shine tonight. You know, and yeah. and so, um, but the killbots. Well, hey man, you're violating the fucking rules of the mall. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. And so, but I I. I I just, you know, I haven't seen Chopping Mall in a really long time. And it, and it stars uh, Kelly Maroney. And you know her from Fast Times and, and Night of the Comet. She's the blonde chick. She's a cheerleader in Fast Times. Yep. Um, in Night of the Comet. And she strangely is a cheerleader again. <laughs> and she, uh, you know, her and her sister exist in a post-apocalyptic at Los Angeles. And, and so she stars in this film... And, you know, this sent me down a deep dive. I'm like, eh, hey, whatever happened to Kelly? And, you know, I do all that. And I go to the wiki, 
And dude, if this isn't the most me too fucking thing you've ever heard, let me read you. The writer of the film is a guy named Jim Wynorski, right? Dick. And he's he's quoted, quoted. I mean, this is fucking fantastic. Writer Jim Wynorski says Kelly Maroney was cast because, and I quote, I had seen Kelly in a couple of things and I wanted to date her. So I figured one way to make that happen was to put her in a movie. <laughs> He's Weinsteining all over the fucking place, like right out loud. Yeah. And then in the entire, if you watch Chopping Mall, if you have Amazon Prime, if you're wondering what I'm talking about, if you have Amazon Prime, it's on there. Get on this shit. Watch it tonight. If you watch Chopping Mall, Kelly is has a, uh, a profound camel toe. <laughs> the entire, she's wearing tan like jeans i guess they're denim i don't know they're tan pants and a a hell of a camel toe the entire film i wonder whose idea that might have been casting director maybe (laughs) (laughs) Jesus, it's so fucking weird how do you just put that out on front street (laughs) because they're entitled fucking hollywood (laughs) the, the people that ricky gervais was calling out yeah, you know, I seen her in uh, Fast Times there. I really wanted to put a fuck into her. <laughs> and so I figured, you know, I'll throw her in the chopping mall there. She's going to film it in the same mall and everything. She'll be right at home. You know, this dick don't suck itself. Oh, Wait, Jesus. that's Palpatine's line, isn't it? <laughs> that is. This dick. Yeah. This dick. Um. So, but yeah, so, I mean, dude, I just found that to be fucking funny, man. But I, I love those kind of films, you know, the, the just ridiculous tech that was way beyond its capabilities. You know, yeah. Way beyond its capabilities. These things were shooting fucking lasers, dude. Now, is like, that... <laughs> is that is amazing. Are they considered... Uh, is that considered a sci-fi movie or just a... Oh, uh, that's a good question. Sci-fi horror. Sci-fi horror. Sci-fi horror? Sci-fi horror? Yeah, it's gotta be. Because, it, it, you know, it is sci-fi. Like, we never had that tech. And... But it was set in the current day. Yeah. So... I guess it's sci horror. I don't know. But yeah, they just started murdering the shit out of everybody. And they would do, they were grotesque murders too. Like the one they, they shot the chick and her head just literally explodes. It was a good, it was actually a good special effects shot for the time. Um, but the one thing I was a little bit disappointed, I was like, ah, man, you know, I'm pretty excited to like, you're going to spend the whole film inside of an eighties mall, but they had fake storefronts. I wanted to see some real shit, you know, there was a few, but not a lot. Yeah. But yeah, I always like that. And speaking of that whole thing, Vans is about to release limited edition Fast Times Vans. Oh, nice. So it's the checkered, you know, the, the checkered slip-on that we are all very familiar with. But then around the bottom heel, it, it, it just says it, in the actual logo, Fast Times, all around it, which I think is pretty cool. Because we're, yeah, we're coming up on the, uh, the big anniversary. I think it's 40 years which that hurts, doesn't it? Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> a little, <laughs> little bit. Cause, a little bit, because I don't think I was... I, I, I mean, it was rated R. I don't think I was allowed to see that in theaters at the time. No, I, I didn't see it till VHS. Yeah. And then it was like one of my favorite things of all fucking time. <laughs> it was. It never went away. You know, but I, Jeff Spicoli, mm-hmm. I've kind of wondered about this. It's kind of an ethnic name for that character. I mean, he really doesn't look like a Spicoli. No, he doesn't. I'm not trying to, you know, be stereotypical, but man, he looks like an all American. He looks like he's a Nelson or a Wilson. 
Like yeah. he needs an all-American name. How did they? I, I'm kind of curious how they came up with the name Spicoli for that character. Yeah, I don't know. It is kind of strange. Well, it was based on Cameron Crowe's book, which I think the names. No, no, no. Did did he use the real names? But I forget how that went. But I guess Spicoli was similar to whatever the name was. I actually have a copy of the book, which is not in print anymore. Um, and it's very, very different. So, like, Damone was supposed to be a transplant from Philadelphia. Did you know that? No, I didn't. Yeah, the, you learn a lot in the book. Well, about... Damone's voice, he does sound like a, he sounds like a transplant from Philadelphia. I mean, it worked. I mean, they did it. Hell yeah. It was you know. well. Was he? Fil- he was more of a New Yorker, I think. You know. Well, yeah. I mean, uh, let's call it Jersey. Let's call it Northern Jersey. That's the idea, right? <laughs> you know, the funniest thing. So when we had when we had Damone on here uh, years ago, mm-hmm. the f- dude, I will never forget. This was the craziest moment of my life because, like I said, that's a that's a huge. You know, when we started this podcast, we had no goals of being anything, and back then. You know, we took, we told you before, four years off, but we were topping charts at Stitcher. We were right up there, like with celebrities, you know, yeah. we had, we had Sharknado's director on Anthony Ferrante. Um, we talked night... to, to, to uh, the dude from Ra, however you say Yeah, Sahaj, yeah. Sahaj Tekoten. We, we had, we had Anthony Ferrante on before anybody the night that he came on here first and went on Adam Carolla the next morning. Like we were, we were crushing it at that point. You know, my favorite, my favorite though still is we had Shirley Phelps Roper on. That was Shirley... the fucking, that was the fucking greatest. Cause I remember talking to Shirley Phelps Roper and, and asking her like, Hey, like, what do you eat when you're on the road? And she's like, I love Subway. I just think that's a fucking great. Oh dude. She was amazing. She used to email me. Like we became kind of friendly and, and she actually, is it this is gonna sound fucked up to people but she shirley's actually kind of a nice person in a weird way yeah and um but dude my favorite was when ron used to be on here we were interviewing bruce moday the author of jailing the johnstons if you've ever seen at close range mm-hmm. um he was the only guy to actually have interviewed uh um call it a johnston senior uh so he he's played by and I forget what do they call them a uh, Whitewood in the in the film, mm-hmm. um, but so so what would have been Walken's character? This guy was the only dude to have ever spoken to him and talked to him. And so we're interviewing him, and Ron, you couldn't do it that night, and Ron was nervous as hell because you know Ron was just listening <laughs> all the time, <clears throat> and so we're wrapping up, and the minute we wrap up, Shirley calls in on Skype. And I was like, oh, dude, we got to take this Shirley Roper. So now he's really fucking freaking out, you know? (laughs) (laughs) He's like, he doesn't know what to do. And Shirley had just been, I think it was at Sundance, and Kevin Smith debuted Red State, which is essentially about the Westboro Baptist Church. Right. You know, and she's ranting, she's pissed, and, and it was fucking insane. So Ronnie, you know, the one night that he has to go solo with me, you know, without you there as a cushion, uh, he's not only dealing with Bruce Mode, then he's got to go right in the Shirley Roper. And it was one of my favorite fucking things because the whole time I'm like, I know he's sweating, you know, <laughs> I know it's driving him nuts. Um, but anyway, um, oh, sorry, hit my mic thing. Uh, but anyway, uh, Damone, so Bob Romanus gives me his phone number, and and so 
I have to call him, you know, we're going over things ahead of time. And I'm like, holy shit, man, Fast Times has been a part of my life in such a big way. You know, I love that film. And so I call him up and I hear, hello? And I'm like, Bob? And he goes, hey, how you doing? <laughs> right? And I'm like, holy, holy shit. fuck. I'm like, I'm talking to Damone right now. <laughs> <laughs> and it was just fucking, it was one of the most weird moments of my life, you know? And, and you know, even, you know, Robbie Wrist, you know, Cousin Oliver, he he's, Robbie has been, uh, you know, when Anthony Ferrante um, from Sharknado, the director, you know, that thing was exploding, you know, and I'm sitting in Chesapeake Inn in down there in Maryland. It was a nice, nice warm night. We're out on the water. And uh, my son loved, uh, what was it? Sharktopus versus... <laughs> I forget Megalodon. I forget what the fuck it was. Him and his friends were all into those sci-fi channel fucking shitbird movies. Right. You know? So I'm sitting out there having a beer on the water and Robbie texts me and he's like, hey man, would you have any interest in talking to my buddy Anthony? He's director of Sharknado. And I'm like, are you fucking kidding? Yes, I have interest in talking to Anthony. And so, um, you know, that's how that got lined up. Robbie, every... So Stitcher, after we did that, Stitcher promoted us. Like, that that episode was their big thing. And Robbie was always key to stuff like that. Like, it, the first time we had Robbie on was after he trashed Michael Bay's Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Because Robbie used to be Michelangelo in the old 90s, you know? Right. Mm -hmm. And so our timing with Robbie has always been absolutely fucking phenomenal. <laughs> it's always worked perfectly, you know? But like we said before, you can never be if you're not sponsored by a corporation. You can never be the Yeah, the, we can't do what know. we did before, so. No. We're just here I, for fun. We're just here for free lunch still. Yeah. Um <laughs> let's move on to tech since we were just talking about the robot from and, fr and free merchandise. We like free merchandise and anybody wants to give us a free lunch, that that'll be nice too. Uh we're going to go on to tech and it's going to tie in a little bit to the 80s rewind. It's time for another bit of tech news. CES 2020 just wrapped up. Have you seen Samsung's Bali? Um, yeah, I don't know if I get it. <laughs> it's, like, it's a little creepy. It's very creepy. Um, so... Anybody who hasn't seen it, picture in your mind Amazon's Alexa, yet it rolls around your house and has a camera on it. And follows you. And I follows guess, you. Yeah, no, it follows you around. It's like this little fucking orange or yellow um tennis ball. A little bit bigger than a tennis ball, it just follows you around. Yeah, like kind of like the size of a softball, you would say, right? Yeah. Somewhere in that ballpark. And it's filming you and it's watching you. And, and the, my favorite thing at CES was when they're during the keynote, the, the guy for Samsung goes, Bali patrols your home to keep you safe. Isn't that always the selling yeah. point? It's keeping you safe. Yeah. Bali yeah, so. is actually going to be watching you do everything and mapping your house is what Bali is really Yeah, it was a little creeptastic. So they had this single woman like in, in their little video. 
she gets out of bed, but she's fully robed, of course, because we all sleep that way. You know what I mean? And she oh, looked yeah. she looked fucking perfect and happy when she wakes up because we all wake up that way before coffee. Yes. <laughs> and Absolutely. She, and she looks down, and this fucking thing is filming her. Hi, Bali. I'm about to shower now. Do you want to follow <laughs> me in there? Like what? Like what the fuck? <laughs> Take it off slow. <laughs> You know, and you know what's funny with Bali? <laughs> Did you see when Bali fucking cleaned up the dog's mess? Yeah. Dude, my dogs will fuck Bali up. Yeah. They would they would savage that fucking thing. Like there would be nothing oh, yeah. left of Bali. Like I didn't even think about that. Yeah, dude. Bali would be just <laughs> <laughs> Bali wouldn't last very long. And any I guess if you have one of those like purse dogs, you might be all right. But, like, anything bigger than a purse dog, that thing is done. Oh, it's done. I'd come home, Bali's lens would be over by the fucking lamp. You know, pieces of it would be scattered around the house. <laughs> what the fuck are you doing? Back off. Back off. Unless you know, Bali's that... quick. Like, cause <laughs> Bali didn't look like that fucking fast, dude. Did Bali have the moves? Like, <laughs> to get away from a dog? Like, get back, you fucking prick. <laughs> like, what the, dude and then it's like Bali's gonna pr- keep you safe I just picture an intruder taking Bali and treating it like a ball <laughs> like just fucking going out the back door and hauling it off into the fucking backyard somewhere or you just know? fucking smash it up against a wall <laughs> Bali <laughs> Bali is the greatest fucking thing I've ever seen I think it really is awesome <laughs> Bali turns lights on for you when you're on your way home Bali's going to be the new mall security? I guess. Bali, <laughs> Bali is Killbot 2.0. <laughs> you know? <laughs> it's so fucked up. What were those other little thing? floating Bollies that uh, Fina, Fena, when they were in there? Uh, there was a movie, a horror movie, where they had these balls. Oh, Phantasm. Fl- Phantasm, yes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so Bali is actually a, like a hybrid. The Phantasm ball fucked the, the Killbot. Yeah. That's Bali, you know, and uh, yeah, I don't Samsung. I don't see this going that way for you. I don't know anybody that wants Bali following them around the house. I did yet, like the, I did like that TV and TV mount that that was in that video, though. That turned oh, yeah, the TV turns, sideways. That, yeah. that was fucking bad as bad as balls. Yeah, I like that TV a lot. And I liked her phone that that phone with the forever edges on it all around. Yeah. Did you see that? That was nice, too. Samsung, if you come out with that, that's kind of cool. Yeah, like there, there was some cool it. tech in the video. In the video, um, just everything besides Bali. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, everything besides Bali was cool. Samsung, <laughs> you know, Bali's just a fucking piece of shit. Unless, unless, be into. unless you want to send me one, Samsung. I mean, oh, fuck yeah. it up. Well, you're yeah, you're big on people sending you shit now. Yeah, huh? if you want to send me one, I'm I'm good. I'll, I'll try it out, and maybe you know we'll review it and and uh, you know think different. Well, what would you like to review now? Because I, I, I can see you're fucking edging towards something. What happened? <laughs> um, so I received oh, before Christmas, and I know I was supposed to talk about this before Christmas, before the holidays, but I received a Ninja Foodie Grill. A Ninja Foodie Grill? Like the Ninja Blender thing? That, yeah, that thing? same brand, Ninja. Okay. And, yeah, sorry. I didn't. We didn't talk about this before Christmas, but, um, dude, this is the baddest piece of kitchen gadget. So... My panini maker went in the closet. Like, I cleared okay. space on the counter. It is the baddest-ass piece of kitchen gadgetry that I've owned in a long time. And and I well, fall for on. some of these things. 
what are you doing behind my back that you're getting free things and I'm not? I got the roadcaster, but what are you doing that, that I'm not aware? Of? Uh, it, 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 it doesn't matter. Hey, it speaking of, ma- why come I didn't get one? <laughs> I can't tell you. I don't know. They need to send me one. The um. Dude, this foodie grill is a fucking amazing, dude. I cooked some. Uh, I had a friend of mine who had who grew a couple cows and uh, slaughtered one just um, actually by, right before Christmas, mm-hmm. and so it just got done aging. And I just got some fresh beef. I've petted this cow, so I, and I knew it had a good life. <laughs> um, I mean, it was grass fed, free range. I, I uh-huh. saw the cow alive, and then I fucking ate that bitch. It came out so fucking amazing in the foodie grill. Like I can't even explain. Like I was like, "Holy fuck! I haven't had a steak this good in years." What did it do to it? What did it make it good about it? Ah, uh, it was evenly cooked. It cooked perfectly in twelve minutes. Twelve minutes. Twelve minutes on the food. I like the, grill the sound inside. of that. Exactly. Well, actually, if you want a little rare, you can go ten or eleven. But twelve minutes, it came out perfectly. The outside, you know how you have the little fatty layer on the outside. It crisped that to like uh, like a bacon consistency, and it was crispy. Oh, that sounds and nice, dude. Uh, it, I, I seriously, I haven't had a steak that good in in fucking years, and I will, as long as this thing holds up, I will never use a gas grill again. I need it. Why don't you? You need to tell I, them. I, I need one. I would actually like a second one, and I'd fucking stop using my oven. Well, well you shouldn't get a second one before I get one. <laughs> That doesn't sound fair, dude. It is the baddest ass thing. I I I did some air crisping of uh, I dude I you know made fries and potatoes and I did the air crisping of um, asparagus. I did a aspar- uh, bacon wrapped asparagus yesterday. Came out perfect in six minutes. Man, this all sounds very delicious, actually. Dude, it is. The, it, I'm telling you, I need a second one, and I will stop using my oven. I'll stop using, uh, dude. I'll stop sauteing. You know, because that's how so I this... normally normally cook a lot of stuff. I always called myself a wizard with a frying pan because uh-huh. I can saute the shit out of anything. But not now. But not now, dude. I'm air crisping the fuck out of the stuff. I like the sound of this thing. I got. You know what? I think I got to get me one, dude. It it really is. I'm not. No, no joke here. Thank you, thank you, Ninja, for for uh, for putting this out, man. Fucking Tell him the one that you got is broken, and then you need another. <laughs> I need one. You know? I haven't I haven't tried all the functions. I've really just been messing with the air crisper, and I've been. Um, what are uh, all the functions? It, it has like dehydrate on it. It has um, the grill, um, and I know you can buy some additional inserts, which I don't have, like for different uh, applications. Hmm. Um, but I've really just used the grill uh, last night. Mm-hmm. I made I made um, a couple, or I made like a dozen pork chops. Mm-hmm. Um, with uh, an apple reduction sauce on it, and I, you know, I grilled the apples and the um, uh, and the pork chops in there. Uh, Eleven minutes, dude, perfect, perfect. Nice. N- now, no, I, no dryness, dude. I, I'm telling you, it's the greatest thing I've ever, greatest kitchen gadget I've owned. You know, what you've just successfully done. You made me realize I need to go get lunch. <laughs> That's what you've just done here. I need to go find and, me something to eat. And the other thing that I bought, um, I bought this um, before Christmas, and I just got to say, man, I've never been a Telecaster player. But uh-huh. Like right around Thanksgiving, I bought a Telecaster, a thin mm-hmm. line. 
Uh-huh. And, you know, I guess that it's an homage to Billy Squire. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and now that, like, I've had about a month with it, um, I can't believe I've never owned a telly before. Like, it is the greatest feeling guitar I've ever fucking had. Like, I, I'm so in love with this thing. And and Fender, I would love to be your brand ambassador. Uh, <laughs> Do you want them to send you free shit? Yes. Um, I will start going on the Fender, um, you know, the lessons. Uh-huh. Uh, I will do, like, just, like, send me another Telecaster. They, they had a, a great bamboo one that was, like, I mean, it was heavy as fuck, but goddamn, it was a beautiful guitar with a bamboo top. Uh-huh. Uh, that was one that I really wanted, but I, I I just didn't have the ducats for that. But this Thin Line is um, it's a fucking amazing guitar, man. Thank you, Fender. Thank you. <laughs> you're thanking them for the gift of that guitar except it wasn't a gift well this paid. one wasn't a gift i had to pay yeah. for it but um i just hope in the future that they uh consider me as a brand ambassador because i will talk fender up all day long and i'm gonna think about getting rid of my i got an ibanez i got a Schecter, i got a couple charvels got an epiphone got a gibson i'll get rid of all them motherfuckers for first for a couple additional tellies just saying you're ready to trade and turn on everybody i'm ready to turn on everybody for you fender you were my new love. Well, now I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go grab me some lunch, and I might even go get. They're not gonna send me one, but I might. I might go get me one of these foodie grills today. That sounds fucking delicious, dude. It really is. I can't. I can't uh, explain how good fucking steak is and bacon, dude. I've cooked bacon in there a couple a uh, couple times, dude. You just lay the strips on the air crisper. Air crisp bacon is fucking phenomenal. Uh, like five six minutes, it's perfect, and you take. All the pieces out. You put it in your dishwasher. There's no cleanup. There's no. I like the fucking, sound of that. There's no spatter on the on your counter on your stovetop. Nothing. It's all contained in the foodie grill. All right. Well, it sounds like we did an infomercial here at the end, but I guess that you kind of had to. So anyway. <laughs> um. Well, we're gonna roll. Uh, because we're going to try to keep it short. We did two hours last time, which was ridiculous. So we're going to try to keep it shorter here. Rock out. We're going to punch out and we're going to leave you with a tribute to Neil Peart, Peart, Canadian pricks. Um, and we will see you next time on episode one, seven, three. Peace. There's a satisfaction just in the doing of a craft and, and putting words together is my oldest instinct and trying to communicate in that way. Before I discovered drums, I discovered words and, and consequently that became a lifetime ambition to try to share those things. I let my skin get too one reason why I do like traveling alone, it is a bit solitary and morose and it's awfully nice to, uh, to have a companion at the end of the day to talk about things with. But on the other hand, when I travel alone, I am much more in tune with the people around me. And if I'm sitting at dinner, I'm eavesdropping and I'm looking around and collecting right. stories in a sense, but collecting other people's lives. And if you want to be any kind of a commentator on life around you, you can't lose touch with that or you really have nothing to talk about It's probably an unfashionable word, care, but um, I, I really would like that to be the case in, in, uh, in all of our music that's written and recorded, in our live performances, and certainly anything I put my name to in, uh, in terms of prose writing or any other enterprise. 
it's going to get as much care as I can and, and be as good as I can possibly make it. And I kind of think that's a big element of why the band has survived always as a live entity, because that, con that commitment and the conviction of believing in what we were doing was present at every show we ever played, whether it was a 20-minute opening slot on a five-act show, you know, to our first headlining and all that. Honestly, I can say among the three of us, we have never played a show that was less than all we had. Bands that we'd open for in the old days and the drummer would say, oh yeah, I, I kind of take it easy up to my solo. Just, it's like, unimaginable to me. What? To play any song without 100% engagement is, uh, is unimaginable. At the influence, um, uh, inspiration, I think, is the is the uh, rewarding thing. And when people come up and say something like that, you in influence me to play drums. I say, apologize to your parents for me. <laughs> and music is certainly about sharing your enthusiasm. And the, the nature of Rush is we love our music, and we hope other people will like it too. It's, there's nothing calculated more than that about it. Rush isn't uh, quite yet in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. How do you feel about that? <laughs> That's how. <laughs> oh, it's funny. Is that your thing? Uh, yeah, no, it's just funny. How about a Russian? You obviously should be in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Well, I wouldn't think, yeah. yeah. How do we do this? How do we figure this out? Well, like, it's like it doesn't matter to me, and, and the three of us have agreed on this, that it matters to our fans so much more. Yeah. So we'd almost like it for their sake, <laughs> truly. <laughs>